Welcome to the Financial Liberty Podcast. Until you wake up from the American dream, financial uncertainty will be your American reality. Join Sam Legaspi and Ko Sukamoto and their guest as they explore how you can attain financial liberty by uncovering truths that have been kept secret for decades. Have you ever played a game and didn't know the rules? How can you ever win? Learn the rules to the game and in turn, learn how to win. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Financial Liberty Project with Sam Legaspi and Ko Sukamoto. Today we're going to be doing part two uh, of the seven rules of financial liberty. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Fantastic. Good morning. How are you? Doing Good great. morning. Doing great. All right. I know that we did a couple of rules last time, uh, one and two. Where are we going today? Well, we're going to be covering the remaining, I really can't say the remaining, but the middle, the middle, the meat of the uh, of the seven rules and uh, happens to be number three, number four, and we'll see how far, how far we go. But number three, that um, that people will start reading into once they receive the seven rules is inspiration creates action. And uh, it's something that we talk about because regularly on in workshops and when we talk to people in general is that a lot of times, you know, the, the desire to achieve whatever it is you want is already inherent in each and every single one of us. And how I say that, and you and I talk about this regularly, because is that, uh, you know, the desire to fill our bellies, you know, with, with food to satisfy our hunger is as simple as getting off our, our butts and finding somewhere to go to, to eat. So if we, we feel like having a pizza and we have that desire to have pizza, we'll find, you know, we'll find a way that, that, that inspiration to eat pizza and fill our tummies with pizza will lift us off our chairs and do whatever we can to fulfill that desire of having a pizza inside our belly. Well, that same desire is basically the same desire that rules ultimately everything and anything. And uh, it, it goes from not just food, it, it goes from relationships, it goes to what it is you wear. Um, and also, believe it or not, it, it, it also helps you uh, with regards to your financial independence. So it's just a matter of what you're focused on, whether it's your hunger or your financial independence, whatever it is, that that focus that you have, uh, depending on how strong it is, it's going to lift you up from wherever you are. And if the inspiration is strong, you will ultimately lead yourself in the direction of what it is you ultimately do want. So inspiration creates action. We talk about this on a regular basis, Coase. Absolutely. I would say we've been talking about this as long as we've known each other, which is uh, many, many, many years. But, you know, another way to look at it is, is uh, it, may, it may help people to understand is a lot of actions come from a catalyst. You know, I think in your example just now, Sam, the, the catalyst was hunger. You know, you felt hungry, so you get up and you go and get a pizza. And um, and then after the catalyst, there's this thing called progression where you keep eating that pizza, right? Because you're inspired. You don't just have one bite. You'll have, if like me, you'll probably eat the whole pizza. And, and maybe that's, that's uh, uh, you know, there's different reasons for wanting to eat the whole thing. But the thing is, somehow... A guy like me gets inspired to, you know, possibly eat the entire pizza and not even share it with, <laughs> with my own kid. <laughs> so, you know, whether that's inspiration or just, you know, really bad eating habit, the uh, what I see in 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 a lot of people's uh, or activities, you know, of, of everyday everyday kind of things is it starts with a catalyst and then it's it continuous progression and. The challenge is in when we have to do things that are maybe not as fun as eating pizza, like uh, you know being good stewards of our money. We do we all do start with a catalyst, but then we have a, a problem continuing on with progression, and that's where uh, the inspiration really becomes a key factor in 
and ensuring that progression succeeds and it continues. Yeah, and and you know, so the reason why it's it's uh, the uh, the third rule when it comes to the seven rules of financial liberty is is that um, you know a lot of times we hear from people. I really want to retire, or I really want to become wealthy, or I want to reach financial independence. I really don't want to worry about money anymore. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. A lot of times we'll use the analogy that, you know, when people are about to retire, you'll focus. And, you know, for all you listeners out there, uh, you may have friends, you may have colleagues that are, you know, one month away from retirement. And uh, throughout the past two years, they told you they've been looking to retire, looking to retire. And all of a sudden, that golden day comes. They're one month away from retirement. And all of a sudden, they start getting you know retirement crazy in that they start meeting with people, they start getting their affairs in order, they start cleaning their desks. And uh, the question is, is that they've been focused on retirement for the past two years, but then yet, why has it taken them the final month till they retire that they actually start taking up the actions to 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 retire? And oftentimes, we see this on a regular basis. We'll talk to people. And they'll give you a call, Coz. They'll say, hey, Coz, I uh, need to meet with you. And you're like, well, why? It's like, well, um, I, I'm, I'm retiring. And they say, oh, you're retiring. Congratulations. And then they come back and they say, well, no, I'm not retiring. I'm actually retired. I retired two weeks ago. <laughs> and you that know, happens it, all too often, right, Sam? <laughs> yeah. And you know, and the thing is, is like, okay, so you know, you, you go into the, 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 the questions and, and, the, and the interview process, and you find out they've done absolutely nothing, nothing. to prepare for retirement. <laughs> And so you ask yourself, you know, there, it, there's that question, were you truly inspired to retire? And oftentimes when you see situations like that, because a lot of times the percentage of failure increases significantly because they never really planned or prepared appropriately because the inspiration to retire was never there. And, and, and the point I wanted to make, because real quick, is this. Individuals, you know, they, they may want to retire and that's one aspect. They may want to retire, but when their company, when their company actually says to them, "You're gone," then all of a sudden, everything comes together, and it's panic time. It's they're in a panic zone, and they reach out to us trying to figure out what in the world they should do. So we're just Talk saying about an, an adrenaline rush, right? Right, and, and what we're got, saying you got is two just, weeks to decide the rest of your life. Exactly. Exactly. And, 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 you know, what we'd like to just tell people is that find the inspiration earlier. If you can move that inspiration to, to, to focus on retirement and what it is you want sooner, then it, depending on how strong that inspiration is, you will, by nature, start moving into the progression, like you said, or the actions that will allow you to ultimately live the dream that you ultimately wanted to live in. But right. yeah, go, going into those codes, right? I mean, it's crazy. Right. And, and, and the thing is, here, here's, here's the thing. If you don't do that, if you don't do what Sam just explained, meaning move that planning earlier into your life, and I'm talking about do it when you're in your teens and 20s. Um, but, you know, wh whether you have or not, and, and you're 30 years old, 40 years old, it, the whole thing is to start now. And there's a price. The thing is, there's a price to be paid if you do not. If you want to live saying the usual thing that we hear is, oh, I'm not, you know, my retirement isn't for another 10, 15, 20, 30 years, so I'm not going to worry about it. And that, that's probably the most commonplace response we get from people who just don't care. And, um, and they'll get to the age of 65 and they'll be going, what happened to my life? Where, where's my retirement? I'm just going to rely on the government. Okay. Or as you know, one of my friends said, he's going to rely on death as, as, as his retirement plan. 
No joke. But that that's the problem. There is a big price to be paid. And here's the other thing is let's just say, okay, you're such a, you know, you're, you're going to turn things around. You have lived 40 years working for a company and now you're on the doorstep of retirement and you get a notice from your company saying you've got three days to decide whether you're going to accept an early retirement offer or you may have to face the risk of getting laid off if you continue working with us. And so you're in a panic. You got three days to decide. You call a financial advisor and say, hey, I need some help. I got to do some planning. And, and yay, you know, my, ha- my hat off to you. You're, now you're finally doing something. You're doing some planning. But here's the problem. For 40 years, your momentum and your progression has been to ignore the planning. So you do the planning. Let's say it gets done in a month. You retire, and, um, and then you go into retirement mode. You start waking up, not having to go to work, and, um, and you're all happy. But the thing is, your momentum is still what it used to be. Your, your thinking and your progression and your, your, your just the, the way you are is such a large momentum, you're not going to go back and, and, and necessarily just say, okay, the planning that I did in the last month, I'm going to continue that progression and that's going to be my new momentum. It's very, very difficult for humans to make that change. And that's, that's another challenge that, that people have now. Not to discourage people who, who have gone through that route, there are some that do make the turnaround and they will they will create that new momentum and they'll carry it into the retirement years and, and, and stay secure. But there are unfortunately too many people that uh, that we have met who were not able to uh, continue the, the, the new momentum. So the whole thing is to start early so that you can build a new momentum and keep it going. And as Sam said, you know, just start early so that um, you don't have to pay the price. Right, right, and and uh, you know, again, it's it's one of these these aspects that's inherent in each and every single one of us. And let me just give you an example. So, several years ago, my mom she wanted to to, to build a brand new kitchen. She wanted a brand new kitchen. She lived in her same house for I can't even tell you thirty some odd years, and it's the same old kitchen. And she just was one of those individuals that just couldn't get herself to go ahead and get a kitchen. But one day what happened was that she just finally had enough and she had visited other other families and friends' kitchens and she just absolutely loved them. So that that actually fueled the inspiration to have her start looking at kitchens. And um, she didn't have the budget for it necessarily. But what had happened was that over the course of several years, she was able to figure out what it is she wanted, how much it is it was going to cost. And she was able to to uh, speak to the appropriate individuals to design and build a kitchen. And she pulled the trigger. And just in a matter of time, she got the kitchen of her dream. She actually thought it up in her mind. She dreamed it up. It was it was there how exactly how she she wanted it in her mind and she she made it happen, and so that same type of of uh, activity that my mom just a, a regular individual mom um, that she has happens uh, to each and every single one of us whether it's looking to buy a car I mean how many cars how many times do we just go to a car lot and say yeah you know we go ahead and just put my my hand over my eyes and point and figure out which car I get wherever I point I don't care what color it is I don't care what kind of car it is I'll go ahead and get that no we have a desire we have a we have a vision in our mind as to what kind of vehicle we want what kind of color we want and what kind of vehicle we see ourselves in and we ultimately many times nine out of ten if not ten out of ten times we actually get the car of our dreams every single time. So it's that inspiration is finding what it is you want and focusing on it. And, 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 you know, the one thing that I like to say is that focusing 
on what it is that you want is born from a desire that ultimately creates the inspiration to move to action so that what you wanted ultimately becomes your reality. And so whatever it is you want, you you know, all you listeners, whatever you focused in, non-money wise, uh, whether it's a materialistic thing such as a car, a guitar, a, you know, clothing, whatever it is you want, that all was born from an inspiration, a desire, a vision of what you see yourself owning. And it became reality because you made it reality. The same thing that you utilize, the same formula within you that allowed you to receive that is the same formula that allows you to receive financial independence. You just need to know what to do. And so that's the next part, Coase, is, is what do you do? So you're listening to the podcast, you're listening to us and like, okay, this is great. All right. So is there a way to, to, uh, to, to activate these creative juices? Because let's face it, you and I know we were talking about this yesterday. You know, there's a lot of individuals out there Coase, that are pessimistic, that, um, that's that cynical, cynical. I mean, non-believers. I was, I was, uh, I was sharing a, a message with you from a group of individuals <laughs> Yes. Who, uh, you know, I, I, I visited the great state of Dallas, the Lone Star State, this past weekend. For Dallas uh, is not a state, Sam. It's Texas. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. You know what? I just. <laughs> Although the people that live in Dallas probably. You know what? It could very well be a state. It's freaking. Yeah. It's pretty massive. But yeah, no, they have a different mindset down there, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I visited the great state of Texas, the Lone Star State, and I stayed in Dallas for a hockey tournament. And I was impressed. I mean, I was really impressed by the dollar seventy-five per gallon gas that was there. I know you, you texted me a picture <laughs> of the gas prices. <laughs> and then I was I I ran into an old colleague that that has a very large home there for relatively half of what you get over in California. Probably less um, than half. Yeah. So so I you know I I just I, I just shared that that picture of all those gas station prices not only with you cuz but with several other my friends and. And I was amazed at this one particular group, how cynical and how pessimistic they were, and they were just starting to to to, to call to call the Lone Star State probably things that I probably shouldn't say on on air. <laughs> like well, I, I wouldn't I go there what, because what yeah, you whatever. Text, what you did in your text message, Sam, was say, "Hey, you know, guys, this is kind of a cool place to consider living because you can get you know a five bedroom home." you know, massive lot, you know, it's just a dream home for whatever the amount was, which is less than half of what you have to pay in California for the same thing. And if you're on the, on the, near the coastline, it's even more of a bargain. So, and then I think what, cause you shared the text message with me and you, and you said, look at the comment from one of the guys in this group. And the comment was taxes. Like, can I go ahead and well, say what he said? That, so we're gonna, <laughs> we're not gonna mention that. Oh, okay. So, but I, I was just like, wow, it's such negativity. And um, but you know what? These people that I know personally who have left uh, states to to move to Texas, they're really happy. And, and and if you go visit them and you see the house that they live in, you understand why. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, and again, it's not we're 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 not creating this podcast show to to uh, promote you know moving out to Texas. But what I wanted to say, and the leading into Texas was that uh, what do you do? There's a lot of creativity involved. You need to tap in the creative juices that are in your mind that you were born with, that uh, society has suppressed, has managed to suppress throughout the years, and create a lot of cynicism and a lot of uh, pessimism throughout culture. So what do we got to do? Is do you, if if you're listening to the podcast and you're having a difficult time trying 
trying to get out of the uh, the pessimistic way, and 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 you're one of those individuals that say, oh, I'm just never going to retire, or or um, I, I'm just never going to be able to get that car, or you know things just don't work out well for me on a regular basis. You need to turn that around. And one good way that we find that I do personally, and I'm I'm, I'm talking from personal experiences, I like to take long strolls by myself, or I like to take it with my loved one. I'll take it with Melissa, and we'll just talk. And you know what's really interesting is that when we're talking, it's kind of like when we were dating. And when you're dating for the very first time, what is you're talking about? You're talking about how many kids are you going to have and, and you know, what your kids look like you. Where are you going to live? Is it going to be here? Is it going to be there? And what, what you're doing is you're activating the creative juices that are in your mind and you're dreaming. You're daydreaming about the future. And that's what it is we want you guys to do is to start daydreaming and solidifying the vision that you have for your future. And because what we find is when we speak to so many people is that that creative part of them, that creative genius that they have inside them disappeared at one particular point and they stopped dreaming. They, they stopped st- being kids. Yeah, they stopped being kids. kids. Are natural born dreamers. And somehow as we become adults, we lose that capacity. And it's, 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 that's why it's, I think it's so fun to work with kids because they don't have they don't have as nearly as many hangups. They don't have as much pessimism or cynicism. They just they just do. And yeah. They, they make it go happen. Well, think about it. So they're outside playing in the street, and they're making pretend that they're the greatest quarterback of all time, or maybe they're at the basketball court, and how many times do you see you go, three, two, one, Jordan, you know, or Kobe, or or LeBron. I mean, they're making believe they're the best player out there, and, and that's dreaming. And at one particular point in their lives, whether it's in college or even, I'd argue, before, well before college, society suppresses that creativity. And it's up to us to, to, re, to tap into that creative mode, that creative mode and that mindset once again and, and start practicing these dreams. And one, again, one thing that you can do is take these strolls or turn off, uh, turn off the TV or, or maybe even turn on the, the, uh, the, the, the radio really loud once you find a, a song that you like and just bask in the fun of it and, and start dreaming again. And once that starts happening, you've now created and now started the creative process where, as well as the inspiration. Right. As, exactly. As well as the inspiration that will allow you, that will allow you to ultimately get whatever it is you want because now you've tapped into happiness and you see yourself in the future doing things of that nature. So inspiration creates action. And, uh, you know, when it comes to this podcast and, and we talk about the fact that inspiration creates action, it has a lot to do with financial independence because that's one of our our beliefs that that financial independence is is available to anybody and everybody and and many times people ask us how in the world is financial independence available to anybody and everybody because we all were born with a gift and that gift is genius and the genius is creativity and creativity creates inspiration and inspiration creates action so that was number 3 and uh, in in the seven rules to financial liberty Number four, we're going to tackle number four today too as well, Coase. And number four happens to be transform your money habits. And this is something that that oftentimes we run into a lot of people. And unfortunately, you know, we, we're in a society where where you see right down in, in the school system is uh, especially, you know, with my kids is that is that they're learning how to spend money that's not there. 
And I remember, I mean, Coz, do you remember when you know, when you were a kid and you're in the lunch line in elementary school, you actually had to have a dollar and 25 cents or maybe it was 75 cents, but you actually had to have the physical currency inside your pocket. And if you didn't have it, guess what? You didn't eat, right? I had my dad's credit card. No, you did? There you go. <laughs> Probably you know, there was the emperor of Japan. Your dad was the emperor of Japan? <laughs> <laughs> No, they didn't have the card readers back in those days. That I, I think it was the old carbon copy thing, but uh, they didn't even have that. So no, I, I'm. Uh, you're right. I you must have been watching. I only had cash. <laughs> that was it was it was a cash society. It uh, was, but that was if life. you didn't if you didn't have the cash, you didn't eat, right? No, I there are there are many a days I didn't get my um my what was that thing? It, it was like a like a uh, a cinnamon roll thing in a plastic. You, you can buy it from a vending machine. And uh, that, that was my dream lunch. <laughs> a cinnamon roll. You know, my dream lunch was a double pizza. And so I had to get the pizza, the, the rectangular pizza. And I had to go back into line and wait till everybody left so I can get my second pizza for a quarter. And oftentimes there are a few kids ahead of me that, that had a few more quarters than I had. So they were able to monopolize and capture all the pizzas. And uh, I think they had a little business going on because they sold it for 35 <laughs> cents afterwards. And I didn't have 35 cents. But going back to the point is that back in the day, if you didn't have the money, you didn't have the lunch. And I don't know how it is in, in, in the rest of, of America, but where I'm at right now is that if my kid doesn't have the money... Yeah, he still gets the lunch, and he doesn't have physical cash. As a matter of fact, I gave him I gave him ten dollars, goes, and that ten dollars he was just going to put in his pocket. And he was going to use that to go ahead and buy his lunch. Well, he can't use money; he has to put it inside his lunch account. Okay, yeah. so so he put that ten dollars in his lunch account, and as far as I'm concerned, that doesn't necessarily make him or help him with regards to mastering money because now he just goes into it's all virtual now so he just goes into every single day and he doesn't know what his balance is they, they don't That's tell right. him his balance. they tell him when he's negative the moment <laughs> he pays it he doesn't see the balance come down whatever 10 bucks whatever he spends on his lunch we had instant feedback in our days we pay the cash and our pockets are now empty right. and so if our friends say hey we're going to go down to the burger joint afterward and we're going to get some fries I'm like, well, you guys have fun because <laughs> I'm all out. <laughs> but it, it's it's pretty interesting. It's amazing how how you know. Unfortunately, we talked about this earlier with regards to step number three: inspiration creates action. That our abilities to to dream, our abilities to tap into that creative genius, disappears at one particular point, and a lot of it comes down to a very young age, and it starts here, where where I'm starting to see, like you said, uh, the instant feedback of handing a dollar fifty to someone and knowing that nothing comes back knows that that was a dollar fifty, but. Um, but if you hand over $10 and they put it in a lunch account and they only tell you what your balance is when you're approaching zero or negative is, uh, is, is in my opinion, something that, that um, it's hard as a parent to, to, to raise your, your, your kids financially sound with a financially sound strategy when some of the systems aren't necessarily conducive to what it is you believe. Well, what's really scary, Sam, is you take that innocent little example of just buying lunch um, with money you know a lot of kids don't have because they have an online account of some sort. So you you take that fast forward it, you know four or five, six years, now they're in college 
And I just spoke with someone yesterday about his daughter graduating from a four-year college, and um, she, she did it pretty well. She, um, they had a lot of hardships. You know, there was a stroke in the family, the income stopped, but the 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 daughter of the of this person very resourcefully figured out a way to finish college. She had two more years to go, but she didn't have the money, and the parents didn't have the income anymore to continue paying for tuition and boarding. And so she found. Found a way. She found all kinds of money going through, you know, the grant channels, uh, getting grants, getting scholarships, and she graduated a full-on degree, and um, ended up only, you know, she she ended up with with a little bit of debt, but it was only six thousand dollars. Now, in contrast to that, her friend who went through the same school, the same number of years, graduated with an equivalent degree, owing two hundred thousand dollars, and that's going to take her lifetime to pay that off. And that friend of hers is still unemployed after a year and a half. And so if you once you get into the habit of spending or uh, purchasing things that you can't afford, then you end up in the debt the, the, the whole the, the debt mindset and the debt world, and you're you're just forever a prisoner, a victim, because in a lot of ways, like Sam, you, you've said it's really not your fault because you've been You've been immersed in a culture of thinking that it's perfectly fine to go ahead and go into debt just to get something that you know you can't afford. So that innocent lunch example becomes a very insidious reality in a few years if if you can't correct it early on in life. That's why I brought it up, bro. <laughs> because I'm seeing it now. I'm seeing it now is that unfortunately – and, you know, the story goes on, you've heard it many times, is that I've asked my mom back in the past, I, I asked her, you know, so back in, in let's just say, the, the, the 70s, how did your check register look like in your checkbook? And she goes, well, I mean, I had our mortgage in there and some groceries. And uh, I go, so how many transactions were inside your check register for the entire month? And she would probably say anywhere between, I don't know, 10, 15 transactions and the rest were in cash. Well, that's pretty interesting now because... In a day, you can have 20, 25, 30 transactions in a day inside your, your check register. and it, it's Online ordering. Online order, exactly. And so it becomes really difficult to, to follow your purchases. And it, really, it's, it, it becomes a little more difficult to follow and, and to balance your checkbook. And so it's, it's interesting with the advent of more efficiency. And let's face it, I mean, when it comes to credit cards and things of that nature, it does provide for more efficiency of payment. But that efficiency of payment also leads to a lot of issues deep down inside. And, and it leads to issues when it comes to debt. Uh, like you just pointed out, debt is significant. And it's, a, it's one of the major, the, one of the two major um, areas of issues and problems that stop people from reaching financial independence. Uh, number one being debt, having so much, having 30,000 credit card bills, having a $50,000 automobile payment, uh, not payment, but loan. And of course, they've got maybe $150,000, $200,000 um, home loan and and add to that maybe three kids at maybe fifty sixty thousand dollars student loans you're looking at four five four hundred five hundred thousand dollars in total debt and uh, these individuals possibly are in the fifties uh, or you know God forbid they're in their sixties my gosh I mean that's just a that's a right. that's a tremendous amount of a burden so let's let's extrapolate that just one step further so we've got a population of about over three hundred million people in this country and let's just say all of them have that same mindset we're 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 okay buying things that we cannot afford by assuming debt, okay? So now we've got a nation of borrowers, 
including the the government, which is of the people, right? <laughs> Our government comprises of, of some of, of these the people, people who have the same kind of thinking. And so if you look at our national debt, what are we at? $21 trillion right now and growing, right? And so yesterday on Fox News, Carl Icahn was, was interviewed. And I just happened to walk by the TV and I, I just had to stop and listen to what this guy had to say. And he's a very, well, on the surface, non-political. He doesn't like to go in front of a camera and politicize anything. But he said, look, it doesn't really matter what the politics are. The fact is, as a country, as a nation, we are $21 trillion in debt, and it's getting worse. And uh, and he says, look, it's not going to go on. At some point, it's going to affect us. We just don't know when. And he said that's, you know, that's, in his opinion, one of the scariest things about our country. There's going to be a day of reckoning. We just don't know when. And I don't, and I, I'll tell you, Sam, when it happens, it ain't going to be. It's going to be extremely uh, difficult times for uh, for all Americans. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I mean, debt debt is an issue. There's only two ways to to get rid of debt: either you pay it back or you file bankruptcy. And and most people don't want to necessarily file bankruptcy, so they got to pay it back. Well, the government can't file bankruptcy. So, so moving on, you know, like we take a look at the you know the the, the subject number four: transform your money habits. And uh, you know, the the thing is, is that is that there's 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 transformation steps that you need to take. And we're going to outline a few transformation steps. But before that, I wanted to talk about, you know, my transformation steps, because that's kind of like the best way I can go ahead and and, and uh, pass this information over is is through the story. And, and, and so like years ago, you know, years ago, I was on a plane going somewhere and I didn't want to go. I just didn't want to go on this, on this, on this trip. And, and I was going to do something I didn't want to do, but you know, it wasn't something I was dreaming about doing. I didn't feel like, you know, going, it's just one of those days or maybe one of those trips. But I did it anyways, and and in the process, um, I kept on doing it, and, and you know, in the process, I missed many things over the years, and uh, you know, I missed a few first steps of some kids, and first words, maybe some birthdays, I missed a few times, and I came to realize why I made these trips, and 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 why I did the things that I did, and then I realized that it was part of the road I needed to take to make sure I wouldn't miss important moments again. And, uh, it was, it was kind of like the, the feeling I had, as you know, uh, as you know, cause I'm, a, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, you know, a semi-professional photographer. And so it's like an out of focus lens and, you know, the, the images started to come to clarity with a twist of the lens. My life became more crystal clear to me and my job went from dry and boring to really passionate and exciting because now I saw where it is. This was all for and so you could say that my why materialized, right? So we, we ask people, and this is something you and I, we ask people, um, and I ask my friends this on a regular basis, you know, what is your why? Why is it you wake up? Why is it you put your foot, your left foot in front of your right foot? Why is it you go to work every single day? And the answer can't just be, well, I just want to make money. There's got to be that, that corrective purpose. Or there's got to be that vision, that, that, that road that you know you have to follow. And what ends up happening, like in my case, things that, that were boring and, and things that I didn't necessarily want to do became exciting because now I knew the clarity ahead of me. And so, you know, in, 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 in this process and in this journey, you know, what we start recognizing is that everything comes together and, and it comes together and we start looking at our personal, our, our personal finances and we start um, budgeting and, and making things more relevant and, and making, making meanings of things. And I, and I want to utilize the word budget because it's a significant aspect. It's a significant exercise that each and every single 
successful business in America and throughout the world does. They've got a budget because they need to figure out what they've got in the bank to make purchases going forward with all their fixed income and vari- uh, fixed costs and variable costs. So we are very similar to a business cause in that we've got expenses. We both have fixed expenses like a business and a variable expense. And we also generate income just like a business. And we also take that extra cash flow and we buy things just like a business. So why is it that the majority of people out there don't necessarily budget? And a lot of it, again, like you mentioned earlier, it's not necessarily their fault. It's to a degree, maybe the fault of, you know, some some of us parents, uh, as well as society in general, for not training individuals and not l- teaching them the importance of budgeting their money early. So, Budgeting is is a uh, is, is something that that we we cover on a regular basis, and we tell people you got to do. And the very first steps into budgeting is you got to get at least your first or your last three months bank statements, right, Coz? And 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 catalog all your expenses and your fix and your your fixed expenses as well as your variable expenses. That's the very first thing you do. So uh, anytime if you're listening, anytime we talk to people about this, and they go, "Well, how do you budget? I don't, I don't know how to budget." It's just get out your last three statements, your last three bank statements, and just catalog all your expenses from fixed expense to variable expenses. And variable variable expenses are just what because I mean, just going out to lunch. Okay, you know, right. It's just um, sort of like impromptu spending, unplanned spending, as opposed to fixed costs, which is, you know, you've got to pay your rent, you've got to pay your mortgage, you've got, you've you've got, um, you know, your insurance bills due every month. Things that are generally repetitive are fixed costs and, and the variable ones are just more, you know, ad hoc and impulsive based or uh, need based uh, spending. And so, yeah, so if you can categorize all that, then you've got a, uh, a history, and that's your starting point of what your spending has been. Then, Sam, at that point, they can start saying, okay, you know, here's, here, here's how much income we get every month. Look how much we've been spending. You know, what's the comparison? What's the difference? And typically what will happen is people will find we're way overspending, and so they get to they, they now get to start identifying certain categories that can potentially be reduced so that you come in line with your spending or your, your income and um, and then you're you know you're no longer living outside of your means and then from there you can you can continue working on uh, improving other things like you know allocating putting money away into emergency reserves so you can build that up and then once that's set up then you can start saying okay how much can we allocate to actually uh, fu- you know uh, putting away for future retirement needs Right, it's right. All, it's all a process, and you don't have to solve it in one sitting. In fact, you never do. It's it's an ongoing process. Uh, Sherry and I, on a regular basis, uh, which means weekly, we have a family finance review, and it's actually calendared. We actually uh, have it. Um, you know, sometimes it, it has to switch days because of, of of schedule conflicts. But pretty much, we try to meet once a week, and we go through our our budget, and we go through. Uh, our income, and and we try to figure out, okay, where are we headed, and are we on track with what we want to be, you know, from a long-term um, goal standpoint. So it's and it's fun. I mean, it, it's it's not a it's not a boring thing to do. Once once you start heading in the right direction, it's actually a very good. Uh, it's it's a good feeling, you know. It's 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 you just got to do it, and you'll 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 see what I mean. 
And I think you, you brought something up that's really important to understand is that you brought up a, a partnership with Sherry. And budgeting, if you're married, it's a it's a team thing because if one of you is not on board and one of you wants to budget and you, you really want to move forward and control your finances, but the other one just doesn't want to play game, you know, play ball, then, uh, then it's going to make it very, very difficult. And we've got actually a story, but we're not going to say it tonight <laughs> because, you know, we've, but it has to do with a motorcycle just appearing in the garage, just out of the blue. <laughs> but we're not going to talk about that this time. But it had a lot to do with a violation of the budget, is that there was a budget involved, and all of a sudden someone who, who you know, wasn't on board with the budget decided to go ahead and come on, come on in and, and not just buy one motorcycle, but two motorcycles motorcycles with two motorcycle type payments. But anyways, there's so much, there's so much Coz, and uh, we can go into transform your money habits uh, significantly more. As a matter of fact, throughout several podcasts, we're going to be having examples of budgeting and and stories of, of people just like you who are just uh, everyday individuals looking to try to put their left foot in front of their right foot and try to try to wake up and not have to worry about money. And, and we'll give you these stories that can help you help yourself get in a position where you can wake up and not have to worry about money going forward in your lives. So uh, those are the two, those are the two uh, rules out of the seven rules of financial liberty that we wanted to cover today. And, and uh, that makes it four now, Co. So that just means three are left. So, you know, as far as I'm right concerned, on. that is it. I, I, I hear the call of the open road, don't you? I hear the wind blowing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sounds good, guys. And that, that open road sounds like you're on a motorcycle. Is, is that not the case? One of, the, <laughs> one of those two that, meant, that Sam mentioned. Well, one of those two of two. He has the other one. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh-huh. That makes sense. All right, guys. Thanks so much for the information today. This was fantastic. And thank you all for listening to the Financial Liberty Project podcast with Sam Legaspi and Kosukamoto. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Sam and Coast come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This will make it much easier to share these with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at the Financial Liberty Project, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. It's that time again where the call of the open road makes its way. We hope good fortune finds you on your own personal road. And until next time, we thank you for listening to the Financial Liberty Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available.